Good morning, church. So good to be with you. Just a quick update. We have a missionary in Thailand. Her name is Lina La'a. Many of you know her and some of you don't. But just a quick update. Uh, She's doing really well. She's been there for about nine, ten months now and uh, doing really well. This is one of her uh, most recent praise reports. Uh, She's been teaching English. And this uh, girl, June, has been one of her students. And she's, uh, this girl, June, has been asking about Jesus in the church. And so uh, one day in December, she came to church and she received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And we, I think we should give the Lord a clap offering for that. Praise God. And so um, since her one year is almost up, I, I, was, I, I, I said to Lena, hey, Lena, you should start praying about what's next. And so we've both been in prayer, and, and Lena and both of us feel like she's supposed to remain, supposed to stay in Thailand for another season. And so she said, uh, if, if you'd be okay with it, I'd love to stay in Thailand for one more year. And so I, I, I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome, and our church will continue to support you. And so... Uh, we as a church, what we do is we send $1,000 a month over to support her uh, living expenses. And then uh, she's really good when she, there's a financial need. She'll, um, she'll text me. She'll uh, write an email. And, and, and we, we have no problem. We just uh, meet her needs in Jesus' name. And so it's been uh, really good. And so you should be very proud of Lena. She'll spend another year there. And so please keep her in prayer. That's Lena La'a in Thailand, Bangkok, Thailand. Quick checkup. How are you guys doing with our goal to read through the Bible in a year? Doing good? Yeah, I see some nods. Good, yes. Thumbs up, thumbs up. All right. Uh, just a re- um, congratulations. Did you know it's, tw- it's been 21 days now? So um, you, you can give uh, yourselves a pat on the shoulder. It's been 21 days. For those of you ha- who haven't yet started, it's not too late. If you start, maybe not today, today is the Super Bowl. If you start tomorrow, if you start tomorrow, by the end of the year, if you read 15 to 20 minutes every single day, by the end of the year, you will have read over, still over 90% of the Bible. That is incredible. That is amazing. That will move you forward in a huge way this year. And so um, I would encourage you in that. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. And this is uh, something we all read uh, during uh, the week in our uh, Read Through the Bible in a Year plan, Exodus chapter 14. And while you're turning there, let me just give you a quick summary. And so the people of God, the Israelites, they are in Egypt. They're living in Egypt. And they are fruitful. They are multiplying. They are increasing in number. Things are going well. But a new king becomes seated as the king of Egypt. And he doesn't like that there is this growth in population of Israelites. He feels uneasy. He's threatened by it. And so he puts all of the Israelites into slavery. And so the people of Israel, they're slaves in Egypt now. 
They're oppressed. They're treated harshly. They're treated ruthlessly in Egypt. It's a dark time. It's an evil time. And as if, and as if as slavery weren't evil enough, the king of Egypt, to manage the population growth of the Israelites, he decrees infant genocide. Every Hebrew boy that is born is to be thrown into the Nile River. It's a dark time. It's an evil time. And during this time, a Hebrew boy was born. And his name is yeah, Moses. And by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Because they saw that Moses was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's decree, not afraid of the king's edict. But when Moses' mother, Jochebed, could not hide Moses any longer, she got a papyrus basket and put Moses into that basket and placed that basket along the bank of the Nile River. And Moses' life is preserved. Believe it or not, Moses grows up in the king's palace. And so fast forward, it's been about 40 years now, and, and, and Moses is growing up in the king's palace, being educated in the king's palace. And it's been 40 years now. And Moses, he goes outside, and he sees an Egyptian beat up a Hebrew, an Israelite, beat up one of his own people. And so in a moment of vigilante justice, he kills the Egyptian. And so now Moses is wanted for murder. And so he takes off running. Moses is a fugitive on the run. And so he runs and, and he, he, he lays low in this place called Midian. And for the next 40 years, Moses makes the life for himself in Midian. Well, meanwhile, the people of God are still in Egypt. They're slaves in Egypt. They're being oppressed in Egypt. They're in bondage in Egypt. And so they cry out to God. And God hears their cry. And so God responds. And he says, I'm going to rescue my people out of Egypt. And so God visits with Moses in Midian. And God says to, God says to Moses, I, have, I still have an assignment on your life. I've heard the cry of my people in Egypt. And I want to rescue them out of Egypt. And I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you to lead the people of God out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of oppression, out of bondage. And after not just some, but a lot of convincing, Moses agrees. And so Moses, he goes back to Egypt. And you know the story. After, after 10 very, very uh, drastic 
and devastating plagues, Pharaoh finally lets the people of go, uh, lets the people of God go. And so now the people of God are free, free from Egypt, free from slavery, free from bondage, free from oppression. And so that's where we pick up in the story. Exodus, Exodus chapter 14 begins in verse 10. And it goes like this. It says, Well, let me back up here. And so the, the, king of, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, has second thoughts about letting the people of God go. And so he's like, uh-uh, I'm not going to let that happen. And so he changes his mind. And so he gathers his army and he goes and he, goes and he pursues the Israelites. And so here's where we uh, pick up in verse 10 of Exodus chapter 14, and it says this. It says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there was the Egyptian army marching against them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. The people of God, they are trapped. You see, to the west is the Egyptian army, and in front of them is the Red Sea. They're trapped. They're boxed in. They're wedged in. They're hard-pressed. If you're in the military, you would say that they are in the kill zone. If, you're, if you are a, a sailor, you would say that they are in a perfect storm. They're boxed in. They're sandwiched in. They're wedged in. They're hard-pressed. The army of, of the Egyptians are headed their way. The Red Sea is before them. They are trapped. The people of God find themselves in an impossible situation. This is probably the first impossible situation that they experience after uh, being free from Egypt. And the, and the Bible says here, they are terrified. They are very frightened, it says. Well, they start off really well. The Bible says they look up and they cry out to God. But that doesn't last long. You see, circumstances don't immediately change. And so they find someone to blame. And so they blame the preacher. The preacher always gets blamed. And so they blame Moses. And they say to Moses, 
Why did you bring us out into the desert? It would have been better for us to be slaves in Egypt. And they start complaining and grumbling. They start to say foolish things. They are no longer looking up. The question for us this morning is, what is your response when you are in an impossible situation? Do you look up? Do you cry out to God? Or do you find someone to blame? Do you complain and grumble? Do you say foolish things? Well, take a look at Moses' response. I love Moses' response. It's in verse 13. Moses says this. It says, Moses answered the people. Pay attention here. This is really good. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I love those two verses. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. Watch the Lord fight for you. Be still. I think, in my opinion, the hardest is to be still. That's hard to be still. The New American Standard Bible translates, translates it this way. It says, keep quiet or keep silent. When we are in an impossible situation, man, we want to find someone, anyone, that will listen to the impossible situation that we're in. But God's counsel is this. Be still. Keep quiet. Keep silent. And watch. Watch the Lord fight for you. I love that. And fight the Lord does. Take a look at what happens next. It's in verse 19 and 20. There's a powerful word of encouragement here. I want you to pay attention here. It's uh, 19 and 20 of Exodus chapter 14, and it says this. It says, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of them, in front of the army of Israel, withdrew and went behind them. And then it says, The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And then it says this, Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. There is a word of encouragement that's not so obvious here, and it's this. When you are in an, impossible, in an impossible situation, God will protect you. 
God will defend, safeguard, look after, watch over. God will protect you. These two verses remind me of a team of, of, of military special operators. And they uh, imagine this team of military special operators and they get helicoptered in to this, this hostile territory and they, uh, and, and they get dropped off at this landing zone. And now they, they have to travel by foot to their objective, travel by foot to their target. Well, what happens is one person is selected to take point. And that point person is very important. And that point person walks in front of the team, scanning, scanning for danger. That point person is the most exposed. That point person is the first to encounter danger. The first to wander maybe into an ambush. The first to maybe even step on an ID, IED. The first to maybe even um, get shot at. The point person is a very important person. And then there's another person on the team that's very important and gets assigned to provide rear security. You see, you don't want the enemy to sneak up on you from behind. And so rear security, a very important position as well. Now take a look at this. It's in Isaiah 52, 12, and it says this. I love this verse. It says, for, for the Lord will go ahead of you. Yes, the God of Israel will protect you from behind. We live in a hostile world. And God says, hey, I'll take point. I'll go ahead of you. And God says, I'll also take rear security. I'll protect you from behind. You see, when you are in an impossible, in an impossible situation, God will protect you. God will defend, safeguard, look after, watch over. God will protect you. And then let's take a look at what happens next. Here's the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. I love this, uh, these two verses. It says this. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. That's a miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. Here we see that God creates a path through the sea. And the, and the people by faith, they walk through the sea on dry land. And the pursuing Egyptians, they try to do so as well. But the walls of water, they, it crashes in on them and they drown in the Red Sea. 
when you are in an, impos- an, in, in an impossible situation and there seemingly appears to be no way, look for God to make a way. And sometimes God will move in a very mysterious kind of way like this. You all know who uh, John Newton is? John Newton, he wrote Amazing Grace, yeah? There's a, he has a good friend, and uh, his, uh, his good friend, his name is William Copper. And William Copper and John Newton lived in this same town in England, and William Copper wrote this hymn, and it's entitled, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. You see, Copper, he suffered from severe depression. And so during one of these dark moments in his life, he wrote these words. And I thought I'd share a couple of the, uh, a couple of, uh, the portions of this hymn with you. It's not the whole hymn. But when you take a look at these words, they teach us to trust God. Even when we go through things that we kind of don't understand. God moves in a mysterious way. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break and blessings on your head. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. At the heart of this hymn is a simple exhortation, and it's this. Ye fearful saints, Fresh courage, take. And that's just old English for take courage. Take courage when you are boxed in. Take courage when you are in that kill zone. Take courage when you are in that perfect storm. Take courage when you are in an impossible situation. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. Take courage when you are in in an impossible situation. Look for God to make a way. And remember, sometimes God moves in a mysterious way. Amen. Let us pray.